Coming up on today's episode, we break down Blake Wheeler's return to Winnipeg and a Jets loss to the Rangers, plus Cole Perfetti's ice time conundrum. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right into it here to start off the week and end off October in style. Hope you guys are ready for a outstanding and spooky Halloween as we come to you Tuesday morning or whenever Tuesday you're listening to the podcast. I know my little one is uh, ready to go, sleeping in her Minnie Mouse costume. Don't know if trick-or-treating at 8.30 a.m. is going to be a, a fruitful endeavor for her, but I'm, I'm, I'm digging the spirit. So we'll see how that goes uh, a little bit later on. But just make sure to, you know, drive safe and uh, keep an eye out for the wee ones as they uh, have some fun trick-or-treating on Tuesday night. But we do have a game or two to break down. From the Winnipeg Jets side of things, and a pretty monumental one in terms of, I don't know, franchise icons, whatever you want to term it, franchise legends, also whatever it is. Blake Wheeler came back is kind of what I'm getting to there. So we'll get to that. Maybe the game back on the weekend, uh, victory out in Montreal, and then any other news and notes from the Jets and the rest of the NHL. Uh, but doing so with me once again, looking dapper in the shirt and tie. Fresh off of a work shift, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us. Tyson, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. I'm a big Halloween guy, too, honestly. So I'm looking forward to the to the festivities tomorrow. Well, it's always I'm just nice to kind of like my my big thing watching scary movie classic. Like scary movie, the parody movie, or like an actual scary movie? Like 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 the franchise, yeah. Like okay, the, like, okay. Like the spoof movies, I love I love the scary movies. It's just I mean, they're so dumb, but it's just perfect. I there'll, think there'll I never think... be another spoofed franchise like that. Well, I wouldn't say that they they, they didn't really uh <laughs> they, they, they weren't you know Oscar worthy films or anything like that. But I have kind of a soft spot. I think it was the third one. Just because Leslie Nielsen absolutely kills it as president of the United States. Uh, so that, I think that might be my go-to one, even though they're all so stupid and funny in their own way. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you work tomorrow on Halloween, uh, but if you do, are you going to go into the station in a costume? I, I, I actually do not work. Ah. So I will not be going. Everyone probably weirded out if I just showed up in costume. For a non-shift. For a non-shift, yeah. That's that's weirdo stuff. So, yeah. Maybe just to stay indoors <laughs> for this one there. Um, either way, though, let's get into it, Tyson. Tough one for the Jets. OT loss to the New York Rangers. Had a lead in the third period. We didn't blow it, but allowed the Rangers to tie the game on a power play goal there in the final frame. Great opportunity with the power play, late in regulation, and then early in OT, but couldn't capitalize on that. And they... Uh, they drop a point to a pretty good team, the New York Rangers, we should say. But, um, yeah, we were talking about this a bit before we started here. Kind of a weird one, especially with 
how a number of the Jets games have gone so far this year, but boring, not really, maybe inactive was the way I might term it. Like it just, there wasn't a, I don't know, there wasn't a whole lot of juice to the game. Not a whole lot of back and forth, sustained zone time, things like that. It, it, it just seemed like the majority of the game was in the neutral zone. And I guess that's what happens in a 2-2, eventually 3-2 game for the Rangers. Uh, but what stood out to you other than the uh, lack of action or highlight-worthy plays at both ends of the ring? Yeah, that second period was was rough. That was a rough period to to take in, but... One of the main things that I really took away from this game is that, and this has been a problem for a long time with this team, but net front defense, my goodness, they they need to tighten it up. I don't even like I don't know how you fix that. Like, I is it just lack of awareness? Is it lack of positioning? I there's a lot of times where it's like the Kreider goal, tie it up. I again, it's a power play. You're down a man. There's no one, no one within five feet of them, just standing there. Right in front of Hellebuck. The, the first goal, too, where Panarin sneaks in. Like, there's got to be better coverage. There's There's got to be a more disciplined style in the defensive zone. That's That was my biggest takeaway, at least. Like, just too much. That cannot happen. And it's still happening after how many times it happened last year, right? Like, that's one of, that's one of the things where it's just, you can tie up the guy. Like, if you just tie up Chris Kreider, that goal doesn't happen. It's just, it's so frustrating because it's just a simple, it's really a simple fix. Do not leave the guy in front of the net wide open. Like at least, at least if he gets two whacks at it, like you're on him and he misses the first whack. It's like, all right, well, at least I try to tie him up. Like they're not even trying to tie guys up. It's just wide open tap-ins, guys not even getting a stick in the back. And it's just tips right in front of Hellebuck. Like you can't. You're not giving Hellebuck any chance to to make a save at that point, and that's that's something that they got to tighten up. But like you mentioned, it was just a lack. There's just a not a lot of energy in this one. And I wonder, like, there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in the hockey world right now. Like, obviously, our thoughts and prayers are with the Johnson family. It's just a horrible, tragic situation, and a lot of the members on the Jets, you know, they they had ties with with Johnson and. So you wonder if that that kind of weighed on the group there in this one. Wheeler coming back, there's kind of a, you know, you want to, I don't want to say you want to not win the game, but, you know, you're kind of thinking this guy has been, was with that team for a long time. And he's still, regardless of how things shook out, he still has some friends on that team. So, yeah, it, it was a weird energy in this game. And that's kind of throughout the building. It was just a weird, kind of a weird game. Yeah, you know, the the defensive zone coverage, yeah, frustrating is a pretty good choice of words there because it's, yeah, the, that, that's that been probably the team's biggest Achilles heel, in all honesty, for the last several seasons is just making things too easy in the most dangerous parts of the ice for the opposition. And you're right, like, how do you change it? I, I don't know. It's the same personnel. You've had a bunch of different coaches try to ram it home and, and the message especially during the regular season, doesn't get through to these guys. So, I mean, that's it, it's it's tough to watch when preventable goals take place there. And, I mean, Connor Hellebuck doesn't have a chance for sure on any of the two regulation ones, and even the OT one. I mean, cross-ice one-timer 
uh, to a pretty damn good goal scorer. I'm not going to fault Hellebuck for giving up the OT winner on that one at all. But to kind of like piggyback on that point there, Tyson, and it goes into as well the other main topic around the Winnipeg Jets right now, not necessarily from this game, but something that's been percolating for a handful of games right now, is if you're going to reduce the ice time for some of your more offensively gifted forwards, i.e. a Cole Perfetti and a Nikolai Ehlers and even a Domestnikov right now, if, if you're going to do that and and shelter them, then your top dogs better bring it on the defensive end. And that was a pretty damn weak showing defensively from specifically Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor in that game. Uh, I, I mean, there's not yeah. really much more to to rehash about their defensive deficiencies for a number of years now. But quite frankly, it's just unacceptable. And, and I mean, Shifley's been he hasn't been great defensively this year, but it, it hasn't. We haven't seen the the dips that we have in the past up until this game. Kyle Connor's kind of Kyle Connor. And the effort's the, been there. The efforts, yeah, right. The effort's been there. All that stuff. So, like, I, I, I'm not gonna rail on 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 Shifley for you know this is a bad season coming up for him. The contracts that we, I'm, I'm not gonna go there. But just strictly from this game, that's unacceptable to allow Panera and, and like he has like that first goal against. It's even more infuriating because he knows what he's supposed to be doing and he starts off doing it right. But it's just that lack of focus and that lack of attention to detail where he's covering Panarin and he's doing it right, but it's just a little drift towards the blue line and not focusing on being in between the man and the net there. And that just half second of poor positioning ends up with Panarin getting the tap in there, right? Where like, it's not an egregiously blown defensive play, but you've just got to be smarter than that, right? Like you've, you, you've just got to be more aware out there on the ice and not cheat a little bit towards the offensive zone, take care of things in your own end first, and then we go attack the fun zone after that. And then on the, the game-winning goal specifically there, you know, Shay, I'm not going to blame Shafley too much on that play. Like he kind of gets caught up near the blue line, whatever. But I'll tell you what, Tyson, if Cole Perfetti put in the defensive effort that Kyle Connor did on that play, he might be heading to the moose with the way this coaching staff has treated him and his ice time so far this season. Watch it again. It's just, you can't, like, come on. We're not asking for you to be Mark Stone out there, but we need we need a different level of defensive commitment, specifically out of your, your, your big players. And if you're going to get 19, 20, 21, 22 minutes of ice time, you can't float around in two-thirds of the ice and then just bring it inside the offensive zone. Like, you've got to be the tone setters. And you look at the best teams in the league, Tyson, I don't think it's a coincidence that all of their elite, high-end, game-breaking talent, and I think Vegas is a great example of this with how Jack Eichel plays the game, surprisingly. But Eichel doesn't take a second off inside his own zone. And the rest of the Vegas Golden Knights forwards follows you know him and Stone's lead there. This needs to be heightened and amped up if the Winnipeg Jets want to be a consistent, dangerous threat come playoff time. Because it just it's those little things that ultimately are going to be the difference between 
in this case, maybe pick it up an extra point or come playoff time, failing to wrap up a game and being down two, you know, three, one in the series instead of being tied up at two. Yeah. And like you mentioned, you don't have that one, two center punch anymore either. You need your top line to really, really win a lot of their assignments, especially when you're playing at home and, you can kind of get away from that that tough matchup that the other other team's coaches are going to want to get. Yeah, it's and you mentioned Perfetti too, just with his ice time and everything. I from especially from this game, I don't think he's getting benched for defensive play. If the only thing, really, the only thing I because I kind of made a conscious effort to, to watch Perfetti a lot this game, and. The only things that I could have seen where maybe Scott Arneal and the coaching staff kind of gets a little frustrated is, is around the ozone and neutral zone. And I think that sometimes just him trying to make a, too much of a play instead of just making the easy play. But I mean, the, can you really blame the, a guy who's known to make plays? Like that's his MO is making plays and finding guys. Like, yeah, you're going to have, you're going to suffer some turnovers every now and then. They're not like the crucial back-breaking turnovers in your own zone where you throw a pass up the middle and guy goes off on a semi-breakaway and scores. Like it was plays where he had the puck behind in the corner on in the second period, I believe, and it was he had the Mestikov on the boards. It could have been an easy reverse back, and instead he tried to force a play, tried to force the play towards the front of the net, and it kind of went off a ranger. The Rangers went off in transition and had some ozone time after that. But like watching, watching his attentiveness on the wing on defense, I don't. He was in the he was in a pretty good spot for majority of the game there, and their line really didn't give up that many high quality chances either. So, I, I I'm really it's, I struggled to see it, especially when you can't have that double standard as a team, because if you have that double standard, guys are going to tune you out right away. If you see. And and like and again, I'm not trying to harp on Shifley there, but if you see a guy like Shifley, if he's still giving kind of that effort that he did last season at, towards the end of this season, and he's still getting ice time at the end of games, he's still getting 20 minutes, taking minute long shifts like this. No wonder guys get fed up and frustrated because if we can, if we as fans can see it, then the players can see it too. And so it's just, it comes down to it's Sometimes you got to let the guys play. And sometimes you got to not let, you got to take some ice time away. If, when, if guys are consistently having the same problems over and over again. Yeah. I all in like Rick bonus played that card last year and it didn't go so well <laughs> when certain players were benched yeah. uh, near the end of the year, the team went into a bit of a spiral and, and just pivoting towards the, the Cole Perfetti side of things. I, I don't I don't agree with your assessment there, Tyson, about the Jets not playing Perfetti as much because of some some offensive mistakes that he's making here or there. I, I think it's pretty clear what they're doing, right? Because in this game, the Montreal game, games where they've been tied or down a goal in the third period, he's out there consistently. His ice time gets tailed back a ton when the team is holding a lead like I I, I think I, I think this team look they, they might not be happy all the time with some of his offensive decision making even though I think it's been pretty solid 
I think it's just pretty clear they don't trust him defensively right now, which I think is crazy because I, <laughs> like you said, he's he's not bad. Right, like yeah. he, he might he might not bad might be a bit of a disservice to him. He's probably just a good defensive winger and a good defensive forward in the NHL. And he's certainly more responsible no, that, that, than, that's, than some, than some forwards on this team. Yeah, sorry. Like that's I. That's what I mean. Like I, I couldn't see a play in the D zone that would warrant him to not get ice time. So that's why I was like, well, then it must be these ozone turnovers. Like that's the like. There's no other. There was no other play in that game that stood out besides. A really a kind of a borderline turnover when you're kind of towards the end of a shift too like that's i, I don't get it yeah it really it's, it's, just there's no basis to not have him out there it's very odd how they're handling cole perfetti this season um i mean for a number of reasons one obviously being that they give him the the, the second line center mantle in the off season they give him that job to start the season and then two games in stripped of it and then the ice time gets reduced dramatically after that. So, I mean, like, maybe, like, I don't want to put theories out there or anything like that, but it almost makes you wonder if there's something off ice happening as to why he's being treated this way because his on ice performance doesn't reflect the ice time that he's being given right now. It's, it's, so it's very bizarre just how this team has handled him and then flip flopped on going from you're going to be our second line center to start the season to, you're basically our 11th best forward in terms of ice time. Like David Gustafson's the only one that's playing less than him. Like he's getting fourth line five on five minutes right now for the Winnipeg Jets. But the other aspect of it, Tyson, is just that I I, I don't understand their reasoning for it. And it kind of, there's a part of it where it's like, are, are you watching the film on him? Or are you just benching him late in games because he's a young forward? Because I, I, I just don't get it. He, he I mean... He gets it inside his own end. He's he's more than capable. Like, I have no problem with him being out there, you know, late in the game if the Jets are defending the lead. I, I, I think he's going to make the right play more often than not. But it's also intriguing that they're willing to throw him out there when they need a goal um, in a tie game, when you could also potentially give up the game-winning goal in that scenario. Uh, the other weird thing, too, is that, you know, for everybody's consternation about how this team handles their young guys, especially up front, they haven't in the past, they haven't been afraid to give their young guys a lot of minutes and a lot of responsibility. I mean, Patrick Line is a great example of that, basically thrown to the fire. Nikolai Ehlers, in his first couple of years, got a lot of, I mean, might be getting more ice time back then than he does right now. And, and Kyle Connor, you know, goes down to the moose in his first full season, but comes right back up and he's the team's top line winger playing 18 minutes a night right like it's it's odd to me that they they there's just something going on with perfetti and what he's doing that is leading them to essentially slashing his ice time by four or five extra minutes a night um i i i don't know what it's going to take moving forward for him to get that bumped up and that whole line as a as a trio maybe it's this performance where perfetti gets two points Ehlers gets that second goal of the night for the Jets that necessitates them to be moved up the ice time rankings a little bit. But I don't know. I test. You look at the 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 analytics and, and, and the fancy stats. That line is this team's most dominant puck possession line so far this season. 
I don't think there's a very good argument right now for why Perfetti and his line mates are seeing their ice time drop to below average third line level. I just don't see it. That feel free to tell me that I'm wrong because I'm just spitballing here because I am I'm with you. I'm at a I'm kind of at a loss for why their ice time gets reduced. Wrong. But do you think it has anything to do with all that that <laughs> that Culper Fetty kind of likes to to play the game at his own pace, especially when he has the puck, and that maybe this team wants to play at a higher pace and because that's like I'm I really. I'm with you. I don't know why he's this gets limited, and I that I don't. Sometimes there's coaches really don't like when a player, especially a, a skilled offensive player, kind of slows the pace down to play at their speed instead of the speed of the game. But sometimes you just have to let those players do what they do. Yeah, and I I don't know. I I I, I, I really I'm don't really have a stunned. I don't have a good explanation for you. I, I I just don't. And even that first goal, right? The the Gus goal. I mean, Perfetti, he's not blazing like uh, Rasmus Kubari, but he's got a decent amount of speed there, and he makes a great, great play in terms of the zone entry to avoid the offside, fights through a couple of stick checks, and then sets up big gusts for the opening goal of the night for the Jets. It's a, it's a tremendous hockey play. Like, he's just always in and around it, and I think, I don't know. Look, I'm I'm no NHL coach, but to me, I'm I'm looking for ways to get that guy three, four more minutes of ice time a night, as opposed to taking that away to try to give, you know, a third line or a fourth line a couple extra minutes here and there. Because the more he's out there, the more good things tend to happen for the Winnipeg Jets. So we'll see what takes place over this next stretch of games, and if Perfetti and that line of himself, Ehlers and Nemestikov, start to get. Closer to second line minutes, or if we're going to see uh, a continuation of the essentially 12, 13, 14 minutes a night. Pretty wild that Perfetti starts the year as second line center and is now the 11th most used forward when it comes to ice time on the Winnipeg Jets so far this season. I get one more note here before we wrap up our coverage of the game, Tyson. I mean, the biggest talking point going in is the fact that it's Blake Wheeler's return to Winnipeg. For the first time in opposition colors, what do you make of him? What you what you make of his play in the game and his his play so far this season for the Rangers, and then all the hoopla and how the Jets honored him? So I'm going to start off by saying that Blake Wheeler did a lot of great things for this organization on the ice and off the ice, um, and so in saying this now, I, I want to get that that out there first. He's cooked now. He can't play at the NHL level anymore. That was what it, I kind of. I feel bad saying it that kind of harshly, but he did not look like he belonged out there at all. And now you're he's in game eight, and I would still I don't believe he has a point yet. And he just he he's just lost a step. It's just it, just, it happens to have, like a lot of guys just lose it, and I think he's just kind of lost it now. It's great career. That it was a good reception. He, you could tell, you could see the emotion on his face that he really did truly appreciate the fan support. And uh, you know, while maybe not every fan and everyone in Winnipeg got along with Wheeler a hundred percent of the time, he still he was this team's. Andrew Lau was the first captain. He's been the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Like he's kind of that. It's synonymous with each other right now. Those two 
win a captain of the Winnipeg Jets, Blake Wheeler. So and leads led the team in points since they came back here. He's done. A, I don't know if maybe we'll see a jersey retirement. I'm not totally sure, but it was it was nice to to, to have him back and to get to show that appreci- appreciation for all that he's done over the past couple of years because he could have he could have left too when he signed that. Like yeah, it was a lot of money, but he could have left, could have gone somewhere else. Played, had a couple more really good seasons there, but he wanted to stay in Winnipeg. And so kudos to him. Congratulations on the career. But I think I don't even, I'm watching that game. I don't even know if he makes it to the season. Like, honestly, that was, I got to say, Tyson, that was a pretty legendary backhanded compliment. <laughs> I don't know. That was, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was you you i mean you had us in the first half and then to drop that off with he's not an nhl player anymore I, that's just you're cold man that, that's that's cold-hearted i don't think he is yeah i hey i mean with how he's played through nine games i would certainly agree with that i mean pointless through nine minus four for those who believe in and in, in plus minus all that and not getting the whole lot of ice time i mean look he's he's if it's not the end, he's on 17, chipping onto the green, and he's about to walk on 18th tee. Um, I will say, though, we have seen in the past that he has some brutally slow starts only to turn it around as the season picks up. Like, he's a bit of a slow starter historically. So I'm not going to say he's totally done yet, but wearing 17, he did kind of remind me a little bit of Milan Lucic out there. The foot speed is not what it used to be for for Blake Wheeler. Um, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me that, assuming the Rangers make the playoffs, which is almost an assurance, that he's uh, not one of the opening twelve for Game One of the playoffs for the Rangers there. But I'm glad that the fans gave him a nice ovation. You didn't boo him, which was great, regardless of you know how you felt about the way things ended between him and the club there. I mean, he was a great ambassador for the city for the franchise. And one of the first, one of the first high-end players to commit his, arguably his best years to the Winnipeg Jets when he could have went to greener pastures elsewhere. And so, for the for the franchise to try to essentially stake their claim around the NHL as a group that's capable of bringing in and then retaining high-end talent, I would say Wheeler was a pretty massive piece of you know being a part of that group that showed to other NHLers out there that hey you know what Winnipeg ain't so bad can make a lot of money here have some good times win some games so uh appreciate Blake Wheeler for that and a good job by the fans of the organization for giving his uh his uh praise and and uh just desserts there uh I did I did think Wheeler was going to score the winner in the shootout that that's where I thought this was trending uh but Zibanejad ends it in OT there. Uh, so, yes, the Jets drop that one to the and, Rangers. 3-2. Uh, sorry there, Tice, but we got we to gotta run here. So I'm going to kind of cut you off a little bit there. Uh, he was a top three right winger in the league for two years. I'll just say that. All right. You're going to cut me off then. It's it's gonna be go time here if, if you're gonna just ignore <laughs> you're gonna ignore orders. Um, but that's a couple straight losses for the Jets here. Uh, but they were able to pick up two points in their last uh few games, uh, which is good because it's uh it's gonna be a bit of a tough one Thursday night. Defending champion Vegas Golden Knights host the Winnipeg Jets. Jets return to the scene of the crime. 
where their uh, campaign ended last year in five games. So we'll see if the club can uh, turn their fortunes around in a tough one against Vegas before they head out to Arizona State Saturday afternoon to take on the College Coyotes. Uh, But that's going to do it for the episode here. We'll cap it off there. Got a bit of a late start to this one. And um, we'll wrap it up and get ready for November. Thank you guys for tuning in once again to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us once again. We'll get back at it Friday morning, wrapping up the week with a recap of that Jets-Golden Knights game in Vegas and then a look ahead to what's next for the club on the docket after that. Until then, though, once again, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys Friday morning. Enjoy the rest of your week and have a great, safe, happy Halloween as well, everybody. Talk to you Friday. Peace.